This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Watch the tape, be disappointed, um, but again, uh, it was an amazing year and I'm just really proud to be a part uh, of, of this team. Yeah, Winnipeg Blue Bombers following in the Great Cup in Regina. Great Cup 109, 24 uh, to 23. Uh, three-peat, null and void. Now just a good old-fashioned, run-of-the-mill, everyday back-to-back, Jim Toth. Yeah, it's a sad day. Um, <laughs> I, I got to be I'm, honest. I'm, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it is. Yeah. I, I get that out there. Like, it's yeah. a disappointing feeling. And, mm-hmm. and look... I'm not from here. I'm not a fan. Uh, I cover the team, but also, you know, I, I respect everything they do and, and have some relationships uh, uh, journalistically. And then also just getting to know people like Mike O'Shea and Buck Pierce. And mm-hmm. um, I just know Zach Claris from covering the team. I could go on the, on a list. That's what it's not about. It's not about yeah, me. Yeah. It's, the point is, is there's just a blue feeling. And yeah. in my house last night, um, my stepson was devastated at 10 years old that the Bombers lost this game. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I immediately started, I was taking notes during the game and covering this and everything else that goes into it. This is an opportunity, and as great as the last three seasons have been, and it has been outstanding. This mm. is a new era of Bomber football in their long, long history. I just don't know if it's going to come around again to win three in a row. Um, so I get the fact that it's down. Uh, even in our meeting today, most people in our mm-hmm. station are from here, like yourself. And, and like you said, you go, look, it's it's bad, it's devastating, but they, they've had a great run, everything like that. Yeah, There's a balance that goes on with this because I think the Bombers are going to be right back at it and, and probably back in, in the best team in the CFL again next year. But um, it's okay for the first 24 to 48 hours to you know, be, be down about this. I get the, the, the heartbeat of this city. Um, and we've talked about this cam, this is jets at noon. And, and I understand the passion that this province has not only for the jets, but hockey overall. But I tell anybody that's not from this province, there are blue bomber fans in this province that don't follow hockey. That's how much they love the Winnipeg blue bombers. And I get it. It's, it's, it's just an opportunity that I think that's added to the weight of it is that they won't not have won yeah. three in a row and done something that this organization had had not done in their glorious history and, and some of it not glorious, but over their extended history, there's an opportunity l- missed here. Yeah, it, it was a team loss last night. It and, was. And, and it we're was. already getting text messages about, about Legio, and, and I, I, I want to talk about the kicking. I'm not, I'm not running away from that. Um, but the offense didn't drive the ball and didn't play well enough. Zach Caleros did not play well enough. There was too many drop balls. I thought Brady Oliveira was fantastic. That the run blocking was good. I thought the pass blocking wasn't good enough. Um, looking at the defense, they didn't get a turnover when they needed to make one. Um, they didn't uh, stop drives when they needed to stop drives and make a big stop. And and you know, sort of. I mean, that was the the mantra all, all season long. You know, zero. Uh, you know, three one. Hold them to one of those. And they gave up two touchdowns when. The defense needed to stop them, particularly late in in, in the fourth quarter. Um, and everybody wants to talk about the and Dom text the show three cups in four years isn't bad either. Twenty twenty three, that's fine. You know, and I I, it, I feel like I'm very blessed. And, and you say you're you're not a fan. You cover the team. Well, I am a fan. 
Um, I, I don't pretend to be some sort of heavy journalist and, and sports journalist and all that. I, I just I just don't see myself as that. Maybe some people do. Um, I, I don't see myself as, as, as that. I see myself as a sports commentator, I guess you could say. I'm a Bomber fan. I'm a Jets fan. I don't pretend to not have biases. I clearly 100% do when it, when it comes to covering my team. That's not to say I'm not going to tell you like it is, and I'm not going to tell you what's actually happening there. And listen, I'm not I'm not that you know big of a uh, of a fan that I can't see the writing on the wall and I can't see reality for for you know what's fake out there. Um, but the Bombers, it was a team loss last night. It was it was a team loss, 100%. Dan texts the show. Let's remember, Argos missed two field goals, ran one back for a TD. Um, you know, Bombers lost because of failed execution, missed tackles, missed blocks in front of Caleros, and bad reads by Caleros. Uh, legs for, was 51 for 55 on PATs this year. Poor execution was the reason for losing. And that was a big block that they gave up. You know, the special teams gave up a big block on that field goal. And, you know, you, you never know where it was going. I went back and rewatched it like six times. It looked like it was going straight that kick. I'm not sure what was actually going to happen. Um, but I, I think that the punting, Jim last yet last night did more damage than that missed than that missed point after. I, I thought the punting was a was a bigger issue with where the ball was being placed. The kicks weren't coming off clean. Um, I thought that was a bigger concern uh, than actually that missed that missed PAT. The Argos kept they had a they had good field position. It seemed like for most of that game, it was a team loss yesterday. Yeah, Zach Caleros, I will argue with anybody, had his worst game since becoming a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. I think he's had worse games, but it wasn't. It was certainly he has? It, it was in that conversation. Well, yeah. maybe he has. I wanted yeah. Edmonton that they pulled out and and stuff. Yeah, like. I, I'm not ready to say like it's definitely yeah. in the conversation, but I'm not ready to say it was his but worst. Look, and everybody needs to understand this. If they had won that game 34-24 yesterday, we'd be talking about all the things they did right. They didn't win it, so we're going to talk about all the things that they didn't do right. Um, Zach Claris didn't have a very good game at all. The offense play calling from Buck Pierce, I questioned at halftime. I, I That is very fair, Jim. That's I, fair. I think that when you're yeah, I, that's fair. a dominant team like this, some of the play calls that Buck Pierce was sending down, I questioned. Um, they did not establish... Prukop going in there, that drove me nuts, Prukop especially with that throwing interception. A pass that is the, that yeah. was completely unnecessary. That's a prime example to me of you need that play in your back pocket if Toronto's stopping you from doing something. Those are plays that when you're 15-3 and three and you make a Grey Cup and you're the two-time defending Grey Cup championship team, you need those plays if you can't do what you're good at, what you've been doing all year long and has worked. And I get it. You go in, and they watched what you did good all year. And I get it. You tr- you have to have a plan, and you have to have some items that are going to be different from what the opposition saw on film. But that first half to me should have been, this is what we do all the time, and this is what we're good at it. And if the Argos stop any of it, then we'll go to different plays. I didn't see a lot of that. I saw a lot of, 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 to me, it seemed like game planning that we're overthinking, and this is what Toronto might be thinking, so this is what we're going to do. I just I didn't like the way the game was called. I didn't like the fact that they didn't establish the run more when they did a little bit in, late in the first quarter, the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the old line didn't play well enough like we've seen all year. Zach Caleros didn't. And, and I'll be honest, I thought a lot of the receivers were open. They just, uh, they, they just, there the was, ball wasn't getting there to was, them. I think I counted four or five drops in the first quarter. That too. But this all being said, the one thing that in the three facets of the game 
that have always when the offense have had in the past. I'm not even this year. In the past three years, when the offense hasn't played well, the defense will bail them out, or the special teams will. When the defense didn't play well, the offense would have a great game, or special teams would. When special teams didn't play well, except for one time this year against that Montreal team that lost, other aspects of the game bailed them out. Special teams needed to bail them out yesterday. And Mark Leggio didn't. And Mark Leggio, I'm sorry, did stuff that we've seen him do already. This is a position that they brought in somebody else last year to win the Grey Cup for them and not have Leggio do it. This is a position that Mark Leggio um, is in that, and I'm not talking about the field goal that was blocked. I'm talking about that missed extra point. Because if that field goal is blocked at the end of the game, we're going to overtime. And in a game that the Toronto Argos already deserved to win and outplayed the Bombers in, you at least had your chance to go. I think that big that big uh, return from that bad punt in the middle of the field, I thought that was that was a bigger... That factored in the Bombers losing that game more than that missed PAT. So my point to this is, and I really hate coming down on Mark Leggio like this, but this is a factor in the game. You can miss a kick in a game like that. I know the Toronto kicker and blah, blah, blah. You can miss a point after or a field goal in a game like this. You can't miss both. And yeah. you just can't. And and so if he misses that field goal, we're going to overtime. Or if he misses that point after and hits that field goal, we're talking about a championship. And I'm sorry, that's the position. The same as I'm sitting here going, Zach Claros had one of his worst games as a starting quarterback. I'm calling him out too. Now, does that mean I disbelieve in Zach Claros? Do I think he's not the MOP and the, the future of this team for the next three years? Is there, no, I don't. But that's what happened yesterday, and that's why we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So I just, the Mark Leggio, the problem is, is we've kind of seen this. I, I put out the tweet that the Bombers in their kicking game, since Justin Medlock called it a career, have been dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> And I'm, I'm being serious. I know yeah. that sounds funny, but you can only do that for so long till it catches up with you. And unfortunately, and people have been talking about this for two years now, I hope this doesn't catch up to them in the playoffs. And does it mean that the offense was any better than they were? No, it doesn't. It just means that you needed your kicker to bail you out. And what happened is some things that we've yeah. already seen do, happen do the over Bombers the previous two years. Win 2021 without Castillo? I don't think they win that game. And I don't think that I'm not in the same mind as a lot of Bomber fans. But when that was that final drive and the Bombers were needing a field goal, I, in my mind, I didn't have confidence that Leggio was going to make that kick. So here's what Derek and, Taylor... And so, and so, Jim, it's like Bomber fans felt that. I, you have to think the team felt that as well to some extent. And I, 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 it's definitely a position that needs to be upgraded next year because it's been a big question mark. And, and maybe it's Leggio. Maybe Leggio learns from this, comes into camp, and has a season where he doesn't miss a kick all year. He has to be given the opportunity, but there's there's got to be somebody yes. else there as well. So, yeah. and, and here's my point. When I brought this up on Friday, and I, I wasn't trying to play devil's advocate, it's a g legitimate concern with me with what we've seen from the kicking game. You know, Derek Taylor sent me these stats, and he said, for the season, on average, converts league-wide are 90%. Legio this year for the season and playoffs is 57 of 64, 89%. So it's only 1% below league average, but you went into a playoff run again with below league average kicking. 
And again, it's not all on him. This is a team that had many opportunities. I, I mentioned the play calling on that final drive when they threw that pass to the sidelines to Ellington and got 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have thrown two more of those. And why they went back to the run game then when the O-line wasn't firing, I don't know. But these are all the things we do when we analyze it. Yeah. So that's just how I feel about it. I, I think that there's you know some stuff that obviously, but I really believe that Mike O'Shea wrapped it up with a bow as, and very disappointing wise was just the fact that I think every player has a play out there they would like to have back. And I agree with that. With the D linemen that missed tackling Chad Kelly and, and he ran for 20 yards. Yeah. If you could have brought him down there, like Ms. every Sachs, player. There was all that and stuff. And so that's yeah. what adds up to the point that I'm making overall is going back to what you initially said. This was a team loss. Yeah. It was a team loss, but, you know, there's. I just would have liked to seen the chance that, like I said, you can have one mistake in a game like this, but it's either the convert or the field goal. Yeah. And then you're going to overtime. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's unfair. I don't think that's unfair, uh, Jim. Anyways, but the, here, here's the reality of it. we got to go to break here. Um, the Bombers have gone to three straight great cups. They won two out of three. We're going to end the show. We're going to play two out of three. Ain't bad by meatloaf. I've <laughs> queued that up for Forche. Um, this is one of the best times two to be a Bomber fan. <laughs> we got it. Two out of three ain't bad, Jim. It's not. Um, this is still one of the best bomber teams. These guys are going to be back. They're going to be hungry. And you know what? They're get, they have a championship caliber team this year. Next year, I have a real good feeling they're ever going to championship caliber team. And we're going to try to win another great cup here in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, hey, there's a Winnipeg, there's a Winnipeg Jets game tonight. 4.30 pregame show, 6.30 puck drop. Carolina Hurricanes in town. We're going to tee that up over the rest of the show. 204-780-6868. Uh, a defenseman is finding his way into the lineup. Sounds like it, at least. You never know, but uh, sure sounds Guaranteed like Guaranteed win night? I don't know if I'll go that far, Jim. We'll the be right back. The chosen one is <laughs> going to come into the game. Oh. I, I, no, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Uh, this will be a really good test for all our D, but, and for Villy as well. But this team, you give them a lot of credit, man. They're, there's four lines. They're big, fast, big, six, big, fast D. Uh, as tough a game it was against Pittsburgh, this will be every bit as tough. That's Rick Bonus uh, after the morning skate today. Uh, an optional skate, uh, either today or, or yesterday, um, with with the heavy schedule coming in, um, the coaching staff looking to give uh, their guys a, a, a little bit of a of a rest here. Um, taking a look uh, at the line, well, projected lineup heading into tonight's game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, pre-game show at 4.30, puck drop at 6.30 here on 680 CGOB. Uh, Connor, Shifley, uh, Gagne, Kyle Connor, of course, uh, Cole Perfetti, Dubois, Wheeler, that line going to stay the same. Janssen, Fialabi, Lowry, and Manalainen. Um, uh, Toninato, Gustafson, does Esamont, um, Esamont come out? Um, Harkins, uh, bonus said that Harkins was going to slot in. Does he Does he take Esamont's spot there? All this is uh, yet to really uh, come to fruition, but... This is where the big info is. This is where the exciting stuff is going on. Uh, David Riddick, he's going to be in the starters net tonight. Uh, Bone said he's going to try to get him in uh, at least once a week down this uh, in this stretch. So we'll we'll be seeing more of, of David Riddick uh, between the pipes. And on defense, Morrissey and Pionk. Uh, and it sounds like Hainola. Well, I think they're going to be sticking together for sure. Uh, but then Ville Hainola. He's going to be slotting in here. He was he went off with the rest of the team. 
Um, Capo Bianco stayed on for some extra work, which indicates that Villa Hinella, uh may get uh, a start today and be a part of the uh, uh, the game day roster. Um, and, and I wonder where they're going to kind of slot him in. Are they? I, I don't think they're going to have Hainola and Samberg together. I think that that's a given. So I think they'll probably split up Schmidt and Dylan. Um, Dylan with Hainola, Schmidt with Hainola, Schmidt and Hainola. I think they played a little bit more during the preseason. So I, I'm kind of leading towards that being the pairing. But then Dylan with with Sam with. <laughs> Brendan Dillon with Dylan Sambert. Yeah, I think uh, Schmidt's going to be with Hainola too. Yeah. And so we discussed this on the pregame on Saturday with Ross Levitan and Kelly Moore and myself. And and Ross made the point of like a, he's wondering if if not playing on Saturday, why Hainola's here? Like he needs to be playing and maybe call up one of the other Jets defensemen. And I said I think it's because he's going to play. I, I think they're going to put him in the lineup. I, I think that they need him. And I made the joke of uh, Hainola might want to wait till that Minnesota game because of uh, Carolina and how they move the puck in the <laughs> yeah. transition game that they bring on all four lines. Uh-huh. But I, I, I was kidding. Um, they need Hainola tonight. This is a game that he fits in with because he needs to move the puck. They need to move the puck against this Carolina team. They're not going to have a lot of time. They're a very good transition team. All four forward lines can do it. So we're going to get a look at Ville Hainola. And I, 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 that's why I thought he was called up. And, and I, I'm one of those guys, Cam, that I think you can get just as much out of practicing with NHL players um, as you can, you know, playing in the American Hockey League at this stage of your development. Yeah. But I did think that the reason they brought him up wasn't just to sort of, I thought they were going to give him a game. I, I don't think Ville Hainola is ever going to get called up again without him getting a game in. Yeah, what's the point? They want they want him playing. They need him playing. And it's just a natural part of his development. And now we're going to see. Now, he doesn't have to light the world on fire tonight, but this is another chance for him. He's for, just got to be steady. He he just has to not make too many mistakes. You put him on the, I don't think he's going to get on the power play, though. Well, the power play is rolling, other yeah. than Saturday. Yeah. Um, so the, the power play, look... I mean, this is something we haven't talked about in a while. Going into Saturday's game against Pittsburgh, the penalty kill is third in the National Hockey League. Yeah. And the power play is 15th. Those numbers have risen immensely. The power play for the Jets uh, prior to Saturday was excellent the previous five to six games. Mm -hmm. And then the penalty kill too. But we always have to look at this. Hainola's not going to kill penalties. He's not going to block shots. He's going to move the puck and provide some offense. And he better defend well. And so... I, I, as we've talked about every time his name's come up, and even when he was sent down to the prior to camp, he's going to play some games this year. He's going to get into a lot, and I like the fact that he's coming in against Carolina because do they need him to be big and physical? And No, but do no. they need him to u- to use his puck transition and defend well? Yes, they do against You don't team. need to be a massive guy to be a good defenseman. I mean, there's kind of like no. a misconception about that, that you have to be some big, hulking, six foot four, 250-pounder, uh, to be a, a, a big defenseman. I think those players are important on any NHL roster. It helps, but yeah. you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You can be a really good defenseman at, at Ville Hainola's size. It, it, certain, you have to play differently. You have to completely play differently. You have to be smarter with your reads and all that and, and know when to play the body and that sort of thing. Um, but he, he can come in here, and I, I think he's going to have a really good game. And Carolina is an, in, an interesting team. There's, there's a lot of similarities between the Jets and Carolina so far this year. Uh, the Jets are ten five and one, third in the Central. Carolina ten five and three, second in the Metro. Um, in terms of uh, Winnipeg is second in goals against right now. Boston's in first. Carolina is sixth in goals against. Offensively, uh, the Canes right now are twenty third offensively in terms of goals. The Jets are twenty ninth in goals. Yeah, 
I mean, Here, that's and it's the power plays fifteen, so that's five on five. So here's my assessment of Vili Hainola when he struggled. Yeah. And when he hasn't, to your point of not necessarily needing to be big and physical and strong, it's about positioning. It's the Scott Scott Niedermeyer philosophy of was never big and strong and overly physical, but he was always in the right spot positionally defending the net. If the puck went in the corner, what what side of his man was he on? If somebody was coming to the net, where was he positioned between the post and where his person that he was going to check was coming at him? And then as the puck battles are going on, or the battle in front of the net is going, where are you? So when he has struggled to defend, it's when somebody has gotten to a point where he should have been. And where he has struggled to defend is where, you know, when that person does get there, he can't move them or or, or get around to the other side of them and get behind them and, and stuff like that. So as long as he's positionally sound defending, I think he'll be fine tonight. Mm-hmm. And then when he they do get the puck back, can he get it out? Can he move it through the neutral zone and stuff, which I think he can. So... To me, that's what I'll be listening for on 680 CGOB is, you know, if he's getting beat to these positions. Because when in the games he's played well, he hasn't. And the games he has, he had a hard time, you know, getting between his man and the post or whatever uh, yeah. positionally. And the Canes love to shoot the puck. Fourth in the league in, in terms yeah. of shots. Uh, they're averaging over 10 shots more uh, than their opponents. Uh, they're second in, in in goals against the the I mean shots against I should say the Jets are eleventh in that in that stat there so I, I think that's one of the things that kind of bodes well for Ville and all that you know slotting in tonight and I, and I hope I hope what we see from Ville today is a, is a is a guy that comes in he's confident you know we all know he was upset in the AHL he didn't want to go back down I mean I know the agent was 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 you know making comments about that and stuff like that and Ville himself made comments uh, when he was back up with the Moose. Um, you know, just uh, you know, upset about his his current situation, and you know, he wants to be an NHLer, which is all lot, good. Yeah, yeah, it's all like I know it sounds. I have but no problem with that kind of stuff. I really, if don't. you feel you're ready and you're upset about it, that's fine. Now you're getting in. Show us. Yeah, and 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 he'll stay. Like that. That's the other part of tonight, Cam. Like I know it's waivers, and I'm not saying he can solidify his spot on the team tonight. But if he has a really good game against the Carolina team, he's going to get another one. It's going to be really easy with, for them to bring him back in the lineup. With three straight divisional games coming up, that's why I think David Riddick's is going in tonight. A, they want to get him in once a week, but I yeah. think they want Connor Hellebuck in the pipes against Minnesota, Dallas. I don't know about Chicago, but your next four games are against division rivals. So I think Connor Hellebuck's going to see this. That's why Riddick's coming in tonight. But look, if they're going down to Minnesota on Wednesday and Ville Nola has a good game tonight, mm-hmm. They're not going to make a change. DeMello coming back healthy, but it doesn't sound like he will. The old day-to-day has been a couple days now. <laughs> He's going to be traveling on the road trip. I don't know. They want him to get him in. They're, they're hopeful about it. But, but I, if he I'm plays well sure. tonight and, and helps make a difference, there'll be somebody else coming out Yeah, that, that maybe is struggling. Like So a lot of this has to be up to him, but... Look, I he's got such a bright future with this organization, and I'm I'm happy he's getting in tonight. And I'm actually happy it's against a team like Carolina. Like this is a great opportunity for a good young defenseman to show where he's at. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely for sure. Now, here's something that I wanted to that I've noticed, and I certainly noticed this in the game um, against the, the the Anaheim Ducks. And and, and Bones was was asked about this, and I'll, I'll play the clip here. In the second or third shift the other night. Um, it went back to Dilly and it put it right on the net. And we had two guys down by the net, and the puck got behind the goalie. We just didn't see it, and they found it. So yeah, when that puck comes to you, be ready to shoot the puck. But the second part of that is net presence, and we did a really good job last.
Utah's game of getting guys to the net. We had a lot of good tips. Our D were getting the puck by the first guy, which is their job. You can't always control what goes down by the net, but you can get the puck by that first guy. And you got to have the net presence. And that, that I think it was the third shift we almost scored right there just by doing the basic fundamentals of the game, but being ready to shoot. Yeah, I, I think I, I really appreciate what uh, what head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus, is saying there because it's something that I've kind of been watching for the last little bit. Uh, in terms of shooting the puck, um, I, I, I felt like that there's been some hesitation over the last couple of games. I thought this was actually a little bit better, just as Bone said there, against Pittsburgh. But there's a little bit of hesitation to make a shot, want to make the right shot, the perfect shot. Um, and then I don't think the Jets have done an, an exceptional job of cleaning up in front of the net. I, I just felt like there's been a lot of loose rebounds, and, and, and if a guy was in a different spot positionally and he was, he was, they were going after the net and, and getting involved in that sort of situation, they're going to create more goals, and they need to create more goals, Jim. I mean, they're 29th right now in the league right now in, in goals for. I mean, they're second in goals against. That's fantastic, but that, that dial's got to start to turn up. They've got to be able to find goals, and they got to get some greasy ones. So I thought Rick Bonus summed up the game Saturday perfectly yeah. with that clip. yeah in the fact that where the defenseman holding the puck too long, and I'm, when we say too long, it's a fraction of a second, but I think they're looking up and looking for that traffic. And if yep. it's not there, they wait a second until they see some, and then they let it go. Um, it's part and parcel. That shot's got to go in towards the net quicker, and there's got to be people getting to the net quicker. I think Tristan Jari had a spectacular game, and I don't want to take anything away from his shutout, but as Kelly Moore pointed out, um, in the post game, and Josh Morrissey addressed. There, there wasn't a lot of uh, secondary shots yeah. once the initial one was done, and that's because nobody was getting to the net on that. He was good. You never. I mean, you got a shutout. You get a shutout. You keep the puck out of the net. But the Jets made it easy to get for him to get that shutout. Yeah, it wasn't like as easy as that Arizona game last year or the Buffalo one. But they they needed to get to the net more. And I, I the other part of this is I give Pittsburgh really a lot of credit. Um, because when they went up one nothing with 18 minutes to go in the third, they just it was this four people back. You're not going to the net. We're not giving you any room. If you dump it in, then we're going to get it. Like they they just really prevented the Jets from establishing their four check, which yeah. I think under the Rick Bonus system is essential. And and the Jets couldn't get the four check going, which didn't create a lot of extra opportunities in the offensive zone. And then. It, they really prevented them from getting towards the net. So, yeah. but it was a good game on Saturday. Like, I, I again, I know it's hard when it's a loss, but they'll win some games this year that they might maybe shouldn't have been in, and they'll lose some games that they deserved a better fate. And I think Saturday, if it wasn't for that line change early in the third, where Zucker got the the free shot there, I, I think I thought the Jets played really well. We're, we're mentioning the getting the puck, getting to the net, and getting the puck to the net a little quicker. There's always something you can improve on. But, again, I thought it was another solid overall game by the Winnipeg Jets. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Pre-game show, 4.30, puck drop at 6.30 right here on 680 CJOB Jets in Carolina. Uh, Rod Brendamore not happy with his team in that 2-1 loss uh, over the weekend to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, <laughs> classic Rod Brendamore quote. Uh, I'll read that to you right after this. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. No, like I said, again, I think uh... – just new coach, new change for them. I think it's, you know, everyone kind of, you know, a lot of those guys have had one coach whole career. So then as you a new coach, everyone kind of wakes up. It changes. And you see a, you a different dynamic of things, see different things differently. And a fresh start, I think, is kind of what everyone needed, especially after, you know, it's tough with the bubble season, uh, the pandemic season. And uh, it seems like everyone's got a new lease on life and they're playing great. Yeah, but Paul Stasny there back, of course, in town. First time, uh, of course, I think two and a half years as a Winnipeg Jet or, or so. 
uh, but back in town here for his, his first trip back uh, to the city. Um, and he was a part of that lineup. And he's not surprised about how the Winnipeg Jets have been doing, new coach and all that stuff here. But uh, Rod Brindamore, after the game, uh, called out his team uh, and their 2-1 loss to the Wild. The Wild came back in the final couple minutes of that game to tie it uh, 1-1 and then won it in overtime. Uh, Rod Brindamore, we were crap after the first period, even the second half of the first period. The fact that we got a point out of the game is a miracle in my opinion. We were god-awful. When you have two or three guys playing in the rest, we're just doing and going through the motions. That's what you get. Give them credit. They kept going and stuck with it. We were just flat not good. Uh, when you get quotes like that, I, I know that it, Rod... Rod's Brenda Moore's team has a lot of respect for him. Um, I expect the the Carolina Hurricanes to come out with a really, really good effort, uh, particularly to get this game going here. Uh, but what do you think of those comments and stuff like that, Jim? Well, I th- from Stasny or Brenda Moore? Because the Brenda Moore, <laughs> well, go, go, go ahead. It's two, it's two completely different uh, sides of the of the ruler there, Jim. The ones from Rod the Bod isn't going to bode well for the Jets. <laughs> no, the team's going to be they're going to be fired up big time. Um, but I, I what Stasny said. Look, I, you know what stands out for me about that Cam and, and listeners is once again back to the bubble. And it's been a couple of years now, and we're still hearing about just how difficult that was. Mm-hmm. Paul Maurice walked away from the team. When when does that ever happen? And he brought that up and, yeah. and what they went through. I know more and more players who said that was so difficult to do. Um, and again, I I have a hard time. I get it, and I understand it, and I put a lot of weight on it. But I also sit here and go, you know, you go to a hotel and you get to play hockey and blah, blah, blah. But it's the isolation. It's mm. the... It's the not be, being able to do anything else. It, it, it almost to the point was you're living your lifelong dream and you can't enjoy it. Yeah. Like all the things that go along with actually playing in the NHL are gone mm-hmm. um, other than the actual games themselves. And then you can't share it with your family. You can't share it with your friends. You can't hang out with your teammates. You can't. So that stands out to it. But I like those comments from Paul Stasny because, look, there was a lot of things that went wrong. And this team was in a bad place with each other and we know all of all the things that were being said including from Stasny at the end of the year but like he said it reminded me of when Mark Shifley joined us on Jets at noon um and said you know when I said those things after the Seattle game to wrap up the year I was not in a good place and I was upset and I was questioning a lot of things time goes on you have some perspective you have some great conversations with the new coaching staff and I want to be here and I want to be a jet and I want to get this back on track and I want to you know so the dust settled a bit and I think that's what Paul Stasny was saying as well that look everything that was said didn't mean they weren't good players or good guys it just we were in a bad place and I'm I'm I had no doubt kind of paraphrasing what he said I think Mm -hmm. there is I had no doubt that they would sort of get it back together and and be a good team again yeah and you know and you know a lot of respect to to Mark Shifley he's had a great season and a great start I mean not not perfect but I don't know of any other player in the National Hockey League that's been that's been playing perfect so far another really good game for him on Saturday both ends of the ice I mean I don't even want to yeah, no, he he's he's dialed in and, and he's accepted his role in the team and what he needs to do. And I think that's a that was a big thing. And I think that's that was a struggle with Mark Shifley over the last little bit. I think it's fair to say that. Um, uh, but he he's really been able to really dial in, and I, I think Mark Shifley deserves a lot of credit for that. And that's why you need the new voice, and yeah. that's why Cam. Like we hear these things, and then we try to talk to these players. And unfortunately, it took three months till Mark um, could join us in the off season. But when yeah. he did, I myself, my perspective, you knew my perspective at the end of the year. Yeah, And we know that the team was shopping the big guns and seeing what was out there. 
and then the conversations were had, but I needed to hear it from him. And then yeah. when he did join us and when he spoke to those things, and even when, you know, he was at the NHL sort of propaganda tour there prior to training camp where one <laughs> player goes and represents the team and they do all the promos and everything else. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about with the hearing that Wheeler called him and said, I've lost the captaincy. And Mark wasn't happy about that. But look at the season he's having. It's just, I give a lot of credit to that. You can change my opinion when I hear like your opinions changed and he's done that. So I give him a lot of credit. Like I, I think he deserves it. We all know defensive woes the past five or six years. All you can do is change that and then you do it. And look and at the season Wheeler's having too. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.